listeners we are back for episode two of state of ready we made it through january so that's mm-hmm. good we got our uh, we got that in our uh, back pocket 11 more months to go to finish out 2021 so thank you for joining us on this episode here yeah, my name is ed i am my name is ed colson i'm the owner of ready northwest emergency management coming to you from the top left corner of the map portland oregon also known as the one of the big IPA capitals of the world, which I am not a big fan of. And my name is Bill Fogarty. I am the owner of 21 Klutz LLC. Uh, my background is working in emergency management and working as a law enforcement officer for over the last 25 years. Uh, I was fortunate enough to work with Ed. And uh, I am happy to say I have several breweries near me and I am located in the Bay Area. So Ed, that means you need a trip down here. And with us is... Yeah, uh, my name is Robert Whittem. I'm an emergency manager, um, also in the Portland, Oregon metro area. Um, a former law enforcement officer as well. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Are you an IPA fan? Um, I can I can do without. I usually do a cider. Oh, cool, nice. Well, as you can see, all of us here on State of Ready, we enjoy a carbonated beverage of some sort. Um, and so uh, if you have any recommendations, feel free to let us know at State of Ready uh, on our Twitter page, or you can reach us on Instagram at the same one, at State of Ready. So we've got an interesting topic that we'd like to chat about today, and it is security meets emergency management. And so it's very interesting in our last episode where we were talking about how security is a little bit more than just the person behind the desk. And we wanted to get somebody who is involved in security work and has a background in it as well as emergency management to see what kind of their viewpoint is on where the industry is going and how it kind of overlaps it also works as well coordinating with emergency management so when we think about security it's a lot more than just the person behind that front desk where you check in so when we think about security's history and managing disasters uh, Robert, what what's your take on that? Yeah, so um, I mean, the first thing I think about is in, in history. I go probably a little bit further than I should. Is uh, thinking about like your uh, night watchman, uh, right? And uh, it's it's almost the start of um, uh, when uh, these guards of sorts walked around the city in a patrol area and we're checking either a fire watch or for criminal activity um, and 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 so forth. And I think that even nowadays, that still is in the mind of a lot of folks um, where you have this uniformed security officer that's either, like you mentioned, behind a desk or on a roving patrol, uh, maybe walking around carrying a nightstick or a, a big old flashlight. Um, uh, that's still around for sure, uh, but things have definitely progressed. Yeah, from what you're saying, I mean, it seems like it's just so hard to put kind of like a, a singular definition to the word security because it does incorporate a lot. Like you said, starting with Firewatch to uh, to patrols uh, around a piece of property or so. Um, and it kind of runs the gamut, right? I mean, we talk about people who can hire their security guards, but also private industry, and then all the way up to government with like governmental security, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's 
secu- the, the, the term security, um, even security management or security industry is such a hard, there's, there's no one gamut or one um, avenue for, for that. Um, it, it can be uh, anywhere from your, from your governmental security, utility security, um, private industry, um, uh, travel security, and uh, crisis management. It's, it really does run the gamut just, uh, just as much as uh, resiliency or emergency management for that fact. It's, it's a huge concept. Hmm. Okay. So like kind of take us back, let's say let's 50 years or so, right? And Bill, what's your take? I mean, when you think about security, and we go over like the last 50 years. I mean, what are you thinking of? Well, really what I'm thinking about is, you know, the physical presence of someone there at a location. And that's at events uh, that I've been to, uh, sporting events, concerts, museums, etc. cetera, uh, you know, both uniformed and ununiformed. And really the, the past has been sort of a, a presence to act as the deterrence. And now there's been so many other things that we've put on them, especially people who are working security, to expect them to do even more than just that. And there's so many factors and mitigation measures that uh, those wearing uniforms have to deal with. Um, you know, it, it, to me, it has a lot to do with the idea of a single desk and sort of the front first step of passing through a secure area um, and really sort of being the reception. And, uh, you know, Robert, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's um, in the past, it's, you know, it, it definitely has been that uh, that that friendly, friendly uniform, maybe not so friendly sometimes uh, <laughs> that, that a lot of people that, that a lot of people look look at. And that's what they see when they think of security. Um, uh, it's it, it or that that person that's at that front desk where that's your check in person. And, um, you know, there's definitely that. Uh, where where you can swap out receptionist to a security person where you're checking in um and it's uh nowadays yeah there's still that person there but there's so many other moving parts now um especially when you start talking about those events facility security um it's not just your gates guns and guards anymore it's it's risk management it's um it's uh, um, threat assessments. It's it's um, uh, key metrics. It's so much more now uh, going on when it comes to uh, security security management than just putting a warm body um, in a seat with their feet kicked up, telling somebody they can go through a, a gate or not. You know. So so Robert, let me ask you a question about that. You know, is there a need for security to have situational awareness, and that includes like an emergency management perspective? Oh, absolutely, um, certainly. I mean, uh, I, I think that um, uh, situational awareness not only in the present of what they're doing right at that moment, but also uh, a holistic situational awareness of what's going on in their community. Maybe, maybe they're. Uh, security officer, uh, chief security officer or security manager at a private business, um, uh, they can't just now think of themselves and that private company as a small little universe. They need to think about their neighbors. And what's Mm -hmm. that company down the street from them? What's that government down the street from them? 
doing that's going to affect them and vice versa. And and they need to be discussing and communicating with their partners, um, whether that be public or private partners in that, in that partnership uh, to make sure that they are getting the best for their company, for the community, and um, it's, it's symbiotic, absolutely. Excellent point there. Yeah, what you're saying, you know, like it's no longer, nobody's in an island anymore, especially when it comes to like having to understand the whole uh, global picture that's around you, the additional situational awareness, especially when it comes to, I mean, and, and to get eyes out and to see more of that picture, you know, having to utilize everything from roving patrols, either on foot or mobile and getting that kind of big picture um, as you, as those security officers are trying to do what you said, risk management. How is what's going on on the outside going to affect what's happening on our inside, right? Right. Um, and so I think, you know, when we take a look at a vision of like when that changed, you know, when security may have just undertaken a drastic change in, in its importance, I think we go back to the early 2000s again and, and September 11th and how that changed everything in the security to emergency management to emergency response to threat assessment, everything, you know, happened that changed the way we look at protecting things on September 11th. Oh yeah, I I, I agree. Um, you, you know, with uh, September 11th, of course, kicked off a lot of things, including, uh, of course, uh, the Department of Homeland Security and 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 FEMA and what that means nowadays, um, and, and looking at malevolent threats as as a real issue. Uh, before that, um, you know, we always knew that it was out there. You know, terrorism, and, but it was not. It was something that wasn't prevalence on U.S. territory. Um, you know, a, a, I don't know if either of you have heard the story. I, I, I suspect so, but there's a, there is a, a story out of uh, September 11th of a security manager that's um, uh, really interesting. And it's uh, from the, it's, it's, his name was Rick Rescorla. Um, and he was a, um, uh, British military officer. He was in Vietnam for the U.S. military, uh, uh, a police officer in Rhodesia. Um, and then he um, actually was uh, the director of security for Morgan Stanley um, during the September 11th attacks. Um, he, uh, even before that, he was brought in um, and did an assessment on the towers and actually identified the basement as a um, as a risk of being attacked, uh, which then, of course, in 90, 1993, that it happened. Um, he, he ran fire drills frequently, and during the attack during 9/11, um, he recognized that that there was something happening. He he actually had mentioned that that a threat would be an airplane into the buildings, and. It, when the PA system was saying stay in place, you know, shelter in place, he grounded up his group of people and it was a lot of people and um, got them to safety. And he went back up into the buildings afterwards and perished, uh, saving other people. It was an untold amount. I don't have the number off off the top of my head, but it's a it's a great story to look up. It's risk for Scorla. But that's that's the epitome of a security manager is looking at the threats 
identifying them and even in the face of being told by other leadership or other entities that it's not a problem he identified it as a problem and took took action i uh, saved a lot of lives that day yeah i remember hearing about his story um in the unthinkable by amanda ripley right. highly yeah. recommend that book to all of uh our listeners out there if you haven't taken a look at that book the unthinkable by amanda ripley is um a must read for anybody who is wanting to be in emergency management security professionals um and just general understanding of what the mind does and what how the mind re- body react uh, when faced with a crisis or a disaster rick rescorla's story is in there and it's very very um uh it's it's moving as what i could say um in the background of Agreed. that And then as we progress through the 2000s, we've seen how climate-related disasters um, have impacted and what emergency management does in order to try to uh, prepare, respond, recover, and mitigate the effects of those. But it's very interesting to think about security management on the same platform as emergency management in regards to climate-related disasters. I mean, like, what's your take on that, Bill? Well, I mean, I think it's so important. You know, today uh, it was announced that uh, there's going to be a new U.S. strategy that's going to free up billions in climate funds to sort of deal with the climate-related disasters. And and I look at that and I look at the opportunity for security officers to get involved in so many important things. And, you know, I, I'm, I guess, Robert, you have a lot of experience doing those sort of exercises, uh, you know, being the one to look out on and even possibly planning emergency drills. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, at the water district, um, certainly we, we we have an iterative process for for uh, drills um, when it comes to uh, anything as typical as, say, like a fire drill all the way up to, um, uh, you know, e- even prior to this pandemic, we had a had a drill and it, it put us far and beyond ahead of um a, a lot of our a lot of our partners uh, because we had just a few months before ran a pandemic plan it wasn't as long as this but, uh, but we did. <laughs> um but you know even even with that when it comes to climate related disasters um uh this is this is actually how i started my um experiences in security um in general was during hurricane katrina um, I went down as a um, security officer uh, to help protect some of the critical infrastructure uh, after Hurricane Katrina. Um, and that was under a FEMA contract. Um, they recognized um, that there was a need for critical infrastructure protection. It was physical security, um, but uh, it's 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 definitely a necessity. And I think that's how a lot of individuals in security management find themselves blending into emergency management as they uh, find themselves in those disasters and realize that oh there's there's a lot of similarities and emergency management is a very close cousin and with a lot of overlapping principles yeah absolutely and that's going to be a great segue into our next segment here where we're going to talk about uh security and critical infrastructure so we're going to talk about that in our next segment uh, upcoming
when we had last uh, chatted on our segment there, we talked about the importance of critical infrastructure and that being a place where security professionals and emergency management um, blend together and their roles kind of get morphed into the same one because uh, the, the principles and the objectives of each of those are kind of running parallel to each other. Uh, and so when it comes to that critical infrastructure there, uh, Robert, you know, like, what are we talking about? If we, we wanted to just kind of give a, a general definition real quick of like critical infrastructure, what would we call that? Yeah, so um, uh, this critical infrastructure would, uh, for a generalized des- description, is anything um, that is, I, I define it as something that interconnected systems whether that be water systems, electrical grid, technology, um, transportation, supply chains, um, it, it, the list goes on and on. But these are your these are your systems that provide your life as we know it when it comes to society, our societal ways of doing things, um, and and how we are a. Um, a a system you know a society of systems yeah absolutely and everything from like you were saying transportation to the supply chains to the buildings that house in fact we saw with uh, what happened in nashville right and and the the rv bombing that happened right next to a communications hub for at&t that knocked out communication so there's our critical infrastructure there's a vulnerability and that's something that is uh, could be managed by a security professional or security management company um, in regards to that because kind of emergency management be- is that overarching piece that belongs to the government and then once we get down to those specific facilities right and um, buildings then it becomes the purview of a security management company nine times out of ten yeah certainly yep uh, absolutely and I think about the technology failures that end up happening all the time, even accidentally. And that's, you know, when power grids go down because of high storms and we put our power grids in locations that they probably shouldn't be in without backups. Um, internet lines being cut. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've been party to, uh, unfortunately, being on the internet only to have it cut, cut out because there was a failure because someone decided to cut the power line or, you know, cut something that was under construction. I also think about dams. Uh, locally here, we have a dam that's built over the San Andreas Fault, uh, and that dam provides water for a vast majority of the 750,000 residents of the peninsula. Um, I mean, it's a great place. It's awesome. Uh, but it's also why we need to make sure we have our go bags ready to go, along with our security people uh, who are aware of what it is that's going on. Um, by the way, real quick plug. Uh, if you remember episode one in 2019, we covered go bags. If you haven't, please go back and listen so you get your go bags ready to go. Um, but Robert, what do you see as sort of security's role for technology failures or infrastructure or buildings or even technology? Sure. Yeah, no, um, uh, I think that security's role can, uh, even that can be pretty broad. Um, you know, you, you you think about that security can, can consist of your physical physical security but we also have our um you know your 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 digital security your uh when it comes to uh, critical infrastructure you you have your in- industrial control systems um that can blend into not only having a physical component that can be damaged or uh malevolently targeted but also 
on the cyber side and, and working with your cybersecurity um, uh, groups to make sure that it's protected wholly, physically and digitally. Um, and then also on the infrastructure side of, of those grids is making sure that the, the securities role can can usually be a litmus test of that all the systems that have been designed are still working out in the field they're being checked there's you know doors are being rattled uh you know physical things that uh, when it comes to fences locks um and just the the crime prevention design out in the field is still still working um for those for those uh um systems so that's a good point that that's a really good point that brings into uh, an extra question here is you know what is now the role of the security professional what would you say the security professional is what is the makeup and what is what does that individual bring to the job and to an organization um, in order to ensure its safety of both uh, its infrastructure its operations and its people yeah um i i i look at the there is definitely a a new trajectory that's been and it's it's ever evolving when it comes to security professionals um security professionals in the past have you know been looked at as that um uh, necessary evil that is a as sometimes a check the box so that company and this is in the past that companies could either get a lower insurance rate or um, could tell their board that they have uh, security protection um, and it's always been seen as a um, money spender um, I, I think along with emergency management uh, they've they've fa- also fallen in that category where we've had to um, had to send that message out that our mitigation measures and our risk management procedures and security management procedures are cost savings and at times can save organizations governments corporations even millions of dollars and uh, a loss of reputation that could cripple um cripple organizations there's been there's definitely accounts of um identifying vulnerabilities and and risks from security that have saved companies um yeah interesting and i think with i think also i mean we've talked about the importance of protecting critical infrastructure but we also have to understand the importance of protecting the individual right the employees that work there um and which has taken a whole lot more uh spotlight when we considered the past 20 years and the um uh, uptick of the active shooter active threat in the workplace right um, and so now companies were adopting security professionals to come in and do those risk assessments as you were bringing up um, that could save the company millions of dollars if something was to happen to be able to present that finding saying um, we have done X y and Z in order to mitigate the risk or the risk that would come from an outside threat uh, or an internal threat right yeah absolutely um, you know it's uh, nowadays with all the threats that are that are out there um, whether they be uh, malevolent intentional um, from uh, the outside from the inside 
um, of, a, of a workplace to to natural disasters. Um, it's uh, the the individual training for the workforce is absolutely paramount. That's where we. Um, that's where I. Uh, it's really important for. Um, for emergency management, security management, risk management, whatever, whatever that person or persons are called within a company or organization, um, that they are, they have that iterative process of always continually improving and trying to um, work on that individual preparedness, whether it be at home um, or in the workforce, because during a disaster or an emergency, if if a if an individual employee is not prepared at home. They're no good to us in the workforce. Nobody's going to come into work if their family is not prepared at home. Um, so that's well, that's something that that we definitely push at our organization, and I know that many security management professionals do too. Well, Robert, I'll even touch on that for a second because if I think if you remember right, during Hurricane Katrina. New Orleans police officers were actually going in shopping while on duty. Right. And that was one of the questions that came up was, well, why are they doing that? And the exact example you gave, which is if you can't, are not prepared for your house or your family, then, you know, how good are you going to be effective at your own job? Exactly. That's I mean, that's why I was there. Uh, they were taking care of their families. So they were there to protect that critical infrastructure. <laughs> so I came down and helped. <laughs> And so, um, you know, with security management, right, and individual preparedness, and it's important as well to prepare that employee at the workplace as well, right, with what to do when something happens, especially if it's an unfortunate case of like an active threat. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Active threats, um, situational awareness training, um, uh, knowing knowing uh, the right protective measures to take whether that be say your run hide fight or whatever whatever active threat training um as long as it's an as long as there's training that's my main goal um i i'm pretty agnostic in whatever that training is but some type of active threat situational awareness training is definitely paramount paramount for organizations nowadays okay Robert, one of the things I think you start talking about is where you go to get the training. I think you and I are fellow members of ATAP, if I remember correctly. Yep, is that right? Yep, absolutely. And what is? Why don't you explain some of what ATAP, what that is, and then a few other locations people could get training. Sure. Yeah. So um, ATAP is the Association for Threat Assessment Professionals. Um, it's a. It's really. It's a really great organization um, to uh, for threat management uh, for specific, say, um, it started out and it, it focuses a lot on, let's say, like workplace violence, school, you know, school active threat violence. Um, uh, you'll find a lot of professionals that were either former Secret Service members, former police officers, um, clinical psychologists. Um, that really uh, gather around, look at um, scientific data, um, uh, processes that have been tested, tried and true, um, on how to identify, mitigate, and respond to um, uh, to threats from personnel, whether that be 
external for workplaces, internal for workplaces, say for like termination procedures um, and, and, and so forth. Gr- a great, great place for that type of um, uh, for those type of situations and scenarios. They, they uh, have a lot of training. Some other places say for, um, for um, either generalized security management training or, or they do even get into some specific functional is uh, a, a group that I'm a, um, a chapter, a vice chapter chair of in the Portland metro areas, ASIS, as is, which um, uh, used to stand for American Society of Industrial Security, but it's gotten so much bigger than that. It's worldwide. Uh, they really are one of the bigger premier um, associations when it comes to uh, security management as a whole. Um, and they uh, really, one of the things that has come out of them in the past is, uh, the past couple of years is uh, enterprise security management, um, uh, trying to interweave security management within everybody's roles and positions within an organization. Um, a couple others are Security Industry Association, and then uh, you have uh, some hospital security associations and trans- transportation security associations. There's uh, a ton of them out there, and they all have great information and great um um uh great resources to tap into for training and education so you guys seem to have all the security background and uh, associations uh, pretty much down there i i could recommend the fema classes <laughs> <laughs> the independent study yeah. courses which they, they are great yeah and they have courses on critical infrastructure uh security and critical infrastructure um, assessments so for any of the emergency management um, colleagues that are listening out there or interested in emergency management uh that you if you're not going to go um and uh, apply or be a member of any of those particular organizations that Robert and um, Bill had brought out. You could take these FEMA online classes, the IS classes. Uh, TEKS also is an important one for risk assessment courses. I've taken a couple of TEKS courses that were specific to that type of uh, risk assessment for a facility and critical infrastructure. And they're really good back when we can go in person, but they're really good back uh, or really good uh, instructors who have taught those courses. Um, and where else can we get some, Bill? Well, I think what I want to bring up real quick is, so we actually developed a class from my company, 21 Klutz, that has an airline pilot who trains other pilots and uh, also a district attorney investigator that talks about situational awareness. And, and I think this goes back to Robert's point about, you know, it's so important to make sure that when you're working security in any position in security, whether or not it's at the front desk, whether or not it's a threat assessment, whether or not it is computer crimes, wherever you are, it is so important to have situational awareness and not only being prepared, but also being aware of what it is that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are your thoughts on that there, Robert? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I do want to uh, um, uh, impress upon is with security management, just like with emergency management, one thing that they're really trying to push right now is the next generation um of of security managers and security professionals um a lot of those associations that i mentioned um as is uh, atap um security industry association they're really they really are giving a great um um, opportunity for your young professionals or students um uh that really that want to get into this and and make it a career 
Um, so there's a lot of opportunity for those young, aspiring individuals that want to get into it. So if, if any of your listeners are those people that are students or young individuals, um, I would definitely look into it because there's great deals to be partners and as, um, associates of those associations at no cost or low cost. Okay, and uh, we've got about a minute before we're going to jump into our next segment here, but I want to capitalize on what you said there. Robert, what is, uh, for somebody for somebody who wants to jump in into security management, like, what's their background? What should they come with? I, I, I think you're going to find that, um, you, you know, you, you, you hear from both me and Bill that, um, uh, uh, that, we come from law enforcement, right? Or fire, you hear that a lot when it comes to emergency management. Just like in, just like in emergency management and security management, we're looking for a diverse crowd now. Um, we, we're not saying that we don't want those people that were emergency or first responders. We just, we want a different lens too. We want, we want, to, we want everybody right now. We want people who were, you know, uh, uh, you know, from all different walks of life. Uh, we, we need that different lens. That way, when we come together as a group and we're planning and we're looking at these risks, we're not seeing an echo chamber, that we're not all looking at it through the same lens because that's when we get caught off guard. Um, so we, we really are pushing for that diverse background and diverse life um, in, in this, in this uh, industry. Oh, okay. Well, that's excellent. So that's great. And what we're going to do now uh, in our next segment is we're going to blend the whole two. We talked about all this. Now here comes the integration part. So uh, stay tuned because segment three is coming up. So now we're back to our next segment, and that's integration of security and emergency management. So you heard us talk a lot about uh, how the security professional, what they're looking for, and how they are, uh, how can um, they get the resources to be able to uh, blend the two, um, and kind of the history of security. But now we're really going to go and talk about the shifting roles and responsibilities of security and the adoption of emergency management principles. Uh, for our listeners out there who have a background in emergency management, you know a lot of the work that we do consists of plans of preparing our people and our communities. Well, when you, not every organization has an emergency manager, and they may have a security manager um, who also has to adopt that type of training uh, for their employees and for the people that they have a responsibility to. So, you know, what has been taken on by security? Know, and I'll open that up to both Bill and Robert because I mean, there's so much that we talked about already. But you know, what has been taken on by security professionals within the workplace? Yeah, I, th I think I'll I'll start. Um, that's it, it's a that's a like you mentioned that's a big, great question. Um, a couple of the principles that have really been taken on by security. Um, in the past past generation has been a transference of, of trying to make the security management process enterprise-wide and, and trying to get that seat at the table um, 
whether that be as a as a stakeholder and and oftentimes even on the, in the C-suite, you know, being either a chief security officer or something similar. Um, uh, it, it was in the past, and it still is is prevalent in a, in a lot of organizations where um, security um, has found itself at the back end of responding only to an issue after everybody has made a decision without security. And and I'm you know even as an emergency manager, I've seen it too. Or emergency management at the table, only to then go, oh, I wish I would have known. I could have given you a, I could have solved that problem in a meeting. Um, uh, I could have saved you X amount of dollars, or I could have saved this, uh, you know, this situation entirely. Um, that's that's one of the biggest things that has been a um, adoption of security management in, in the past years, um, and, and making sure that we're bringing all also identifying stakeholders within an organization or community um, to to plan those scenarios out or crises out um, to make sure that everything's being um, properly handled. Right. So kind of like, um, I guess the word would be a, uh, a holistic approach, right? You know, understanding that security does one or a security's role you know, with interacting with operations may be different than with transportation that may be different with customer service, right? Absolutely. And okay. it, I, I think we've talked about this before. You know, one of the great things about State of Ready is we do welcome everyone. It doesn't matter uh, if you're a police officer, a firefighter, paramedic, dispatcher, uh, pilots, uh, emergency manager, aspiring emergency manager, young old business uh whatever you are we welcome you here and i think that that's really what i'm hearing is that you know if you involve people in discussions it's amazing how far you can come in solving everything um but i, I want to take a real quick question and just do a, a little bit of a dive here and find out you know do we think there's a difference between people who take a oath of office uh, to be one of those first responders and people who are security, who are potentially doing it for the money, um, not to be cold about it, but do we think that there's a difference in sort of perspectives and responsibilities? And, you know, I'll throw that out to the group. Yeah. I, so that's a great question. Um, and I think that at bill, that's where we also find that, while we're doing a, say, a hiring process or a vetting process, just like with an oath of office with a first responder, I think it's just as important, if not more, um, that we are vetting our position of trust within a private organization um, or, or a governmental organization that would be um, uh, in a either a emergency management role or a security management role. Um, it's they 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 need to have the qualities of understanding that uh, they take on a ownership. It might not be just theirs to own because they will be they will be um, you know sharing and disseminating and and collaborating with others. But there needs to be at least they need to have some semblance and sense of ownership of that. At the end of the day. Um, they have a responsibility for the welfare, uh, health, wellness, safety, security of uh, their charges, of the people that are within their organization, 
but also to the community um, and, and making sure that it, everyone is safe that they could possibly affect with their decision making and also the organization's decision making. And then what yeah, do you think? Yeah, so I think uh, Robert is right. I mean, uh, the, uh, security professionals are entrusted with the responsibility to keep their people, their facilities, their operations safe. And whereas we may attach a, a little bit more, and I hate to say the word like honor or, or valid, uh, valid or validity to somebody who wears a badge and, and takes that oath, um, I think uh, security professionals uh, need to understand, and I think a majority of them do, that are in positions of authority to understand that, you know, they have a responsibility to keep their people safe, and they may not get the glamour that comes with, you know, um, wearing a badge, uh, but I definitely think that their responsibility is on par. That's their own community there. That is their own um, area of uh, operations to keep safe, to keep protected. Um, and I agree with Robert there that in the background process, in the vetting process, to really understand that it's not supposed to be something where you just check in and check out and, and you know, get your paycheck, but to really take an interest in understanding that uh, there is a, a level of responsibility that's being entrusted to these individuals um, to protect them and uh, to prepare them and to lead them when the bad things happen. And I think that is as important to whichever organization hires these security professionals is to make sure that those individuals understand that particular type of mission and ethos. Well, I think you summed it up perfectly. You know, to me, security is the first one on site. And, you know, we need them to be the eyes, ears, and have an open line of communication to let everyone know what's going on. And, you know, really the people who are taking, uh, who are having an oath of office, they need these security guards they need them to go ahead and be able to be successful and it really is it does take a village it's part of the community and how important it is and you know robert i want to say thank you for everything you do and and how much i appreciate security wherever they are and doing the things that they do to make sure that everyone can end up going home safe at the end of the day yeah yeah absolutely i've worked with i've worked with robert i've i've met him at uh we've been in the same meetings together um, and his role at uh, a water district is critically important to the success of the community and to the safety of the community. So absolutely, security professionals are vital to uh, the community's needs. Um, and that kind of goes along with those security professionals understanding the emergency management background, you know, and why would they need to adopt emergency management principles? I mean, uh, and we'll take there's many scenarios that are out there about it but we're just going to take one right and let's say um downtown a building something happens and the building has to be evacuated right how does a security professional at that building and his security team work alongside everybody who's responding yeah sure um i i think that it i think that just like with emergency management it's uh, you know in security management it starts with who you know and who who do you need to notify right that's that's one of the biggest questions that uh uh gets gets asked at the start of an incident is who who knows about this who do i know and who do i need to notify and, and with an, a building evacuation of course the first people you need to know are going to be your tenants and residents um typically nowadays with security management 
uh, you know, I mentioned uh, earlier about um, Rick and him running up and down and saving those lives. It, it might not, it, it might not be that physically extraneous, but it might be a, a list of plans and uh, an updated list of tenants and sending out either a, uh, a push notification uh, uh, you know, through through technology of, you know, you need to evacuate and then um, getting a, a positive response back that they're out. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's really great, some of the technology that's out there, but it runs down the list of, you you know, so there's going to be somebody that's in charge of that, that building and identifying and notifying, say, a, a, a facility manager or director is also highly important they're going to uh, know all the ins and outs of the risk associated with that whether that be um uh, uh other other tenants um maybe it's a one of the mixed buildings that have businesses and apartments um and then the security manager should have already had contact with say their first responders police fire um, emergency management and re- reached out to them and said, here I am, here's what I do, um, here's my information if you ever need me, and it's a reciprocal type of type of uh, uh, situation and, and um, uh, responsibility between uh, first responders and, and that security manager. I think it's also important for emergency managers. I mean, I think that, you know, you're talking about building evacuation, and security needs to talk to the emergency managers and make sure to understand what the policies and procedures are that's expected of them when they're working and what they're going to end up doing. Robert, what about you? What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it, it can be the maker or breaker of a, of a great of a great emergency manager or security manager is um, is is those, you know, those guidelines and, and who who they know and who they need to contact to figure out what their role is going to be uh, during that scenario and situation. Um, absolutely. Well, the best I, way to do that is, oh, and the best way to do that is definitely through exercise. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I think about the great shakeout and uh, I was fortunate enough to be an emergency manager. Um, I, I cherish that role and working the same position you were. Um, and you know, we did an exercise with great shakeout where I know that security were the ones who I depended upon to make sure to do roll call, to get people out of the building, secure the building and get everything set up. Um, you know, Ed, what are your experiences with great shakeout and security staff? Yeah. Well, yeah. So when it comes to like, um, the great shakeout, it's really helpful to understand because I mean, especially with larger organizations, that emergency manager can't see everything that's happening with everybody. And so utilizing and working with the security department and making sure that uh, those security individuals have trained, maybe their floor monitors, floor wardens on, on evacuation, what to do, where the earthquake stuff is, you know, the duck cover and, or the drop cover and hold. And so those security professionals are able to act as those beacons uh, to be able to relay those information back to your security manager or your emergency manager to, to be able to say, okay, this is how adequately prepared our building is. And, or if it's not, you know, how can we reach out to emergency management and get assistance to make sure that we are? Uh, 
a little it's still in this topic but a, uh, something that I that I'm a really big fan of when it comes to that integration of security managers and emergency managers and this is like this is a great um, example with a great shakeout is as emergency managers you, you can put out this information of hey we're gonna be doing this great shakeout and and as we as all three of us know we we, we have those individuals that are gonna roll their eyes that are gonna go oh great another drill another drill you know all that i i think that security um can be one of those i i can't think of another term right off the top of my head but one of those cheerleaders one of those super fans of being able to send that message out of why it's so important and vice versa there's things that security um find as a priority that they can pass along to their emergency managers so that way when there's employees or um, or uh, other individuals that are involved in an organization um, are either just don't believe in, in, in the, that that's a priority that they can play off of each other and work off of each other as their um, as their super fans um, to make sure that they're getting the message out properly. Gotcha. So let's kind of like change gears real quick, right? We've been talking about physical security and now, you know, the uh, the uptick, I guess you could say, of the cybersecurity threat and its threat to critical infrastructure security. Uh, let's expand upon that because this is such an important, with the internet of things and how uh, mutually connected our cyber infrastructure is to the physical ways that we receive uh, services in life or the way we expect things to work you know how important is that cybersecurity uh, understanding now well i think that you know from a law enforcement point of view it's law enforcement response to when there's some sort of active aggression but really that's after it's happened. And I, I think Robert, I'm, I'm curious about your in, input in this, but I think security's role is really to prevent them from happening, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, between, uh, between, you know, that, that cyber security hygiene is what, what we typically call it of, you know, checking to see if people have their, security passwords written out like on their computer um hey, or you know hey, hey hey stop picking on me <laughs> <laughs> right you know i mean it's uh or or nowadays with everybody working remotely you might see in the background on somebody's whiteboard all their login information um you know it's 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 huge so um or just something as simple as keeping an eye and, and working with your uh, cybersecurity individuals uh, um, when they get spam that you're you 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 might be the one that's talking to the employees more and and pushing out that information and that message of hey, if you get a weird email stop clicking on that weird uh, quit, quit clicking on that weird link it's 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 gonna start opening up vulnerabilities into our systems um it's 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 a it's a major problem nowadays and especially in the um, critical infrastructure side um there's such a interconnection with um industrial controls and um you know office office systems it's uh it's a major major threat 
So when you were bringing that out about um, industrial controls and the major threat that happens, um, you know, we get to the point where regulation has to kick in either through state or all the way up to federal government and regulation in ensuring that we have emergency preparedness and security in place at our pieces of our critical infrastructure. Um, can you expound on a recent act uh, that Congress enacted that goes straight to that point? Yeah, um, I, I think you're talking about the um, uh, AWEA, um, um, American Water Infrastructure Act, uh, which was in uh, 2019, um, it was enacted. Uh, what this is, is um, for the water infrastructure, this really pushed um, a lot of the, well, all water systems, um, drinking water systems into that holistic preparedness um, group where a lot of other infrastructure systems have been. Um, uh, in the past with water systems, they had what was called the Bioterrorism Act, which focused a lot on your malevolent acts, say ter- well, terrorism, bioterrorism, and, and the so forth. Now with the American Water Infrastructure Act, um, this this also focuses on your cybersecurity, um, your business continuity, uh, your employee preparedness. It really mirrors a lot of the um, community community preparedness concepts that you see in um, in an emergency preparedness as a whole. Uh, it just has come to the water systems as a mandate from the EPA. Uh, that's not to say that a lot of the water systems had not already done this, um, including the system that we that I work for. Um, it's just that this really codified it and put it in front of every water system that's out there. Um, and, and as a as a water system community for security and emergency management, we were one of the first because we were a larger system to have to do that. Now a lot of our larger systems are taking that information that we've gathered and pass it along to our medium-sized and smaller-sized systems within the nation to make sure that they are um, just as up to speed, which a lot of them are. It's just that there's absolutely some improvement and always that continuous improvement. So, um, but the cybersecurity side of things is is is, um, is a big major shift in that, and um, it's uh, it's going to take a lot of systems into a new age of protection for. Um, uh, for for everybody since everybody has needs water <laughs> yeah and so that's a great segue to our last segment that future right what does security look like in the future as you were saying um, it's going to take us uh, you know down the line into the future so that's what our next segment is going to talk about we're going to talk about what security operations and security management is going to look like in the future So in our last segment, we're going to talk about what does security look like in the future. And Robert had brought up a great point that in preparing, in security helping to prepare uh, the operations of an infrastructure or an organization to talk about that continuity of operations and, you know, whatever emergency plans you have or training takes you to the disaster, your continuity of operations will take you from it and how important that is in order to 
to have your organization up and running. If we just take, for example, this pandemic and how many emergency management and healthcare organizations and probably many of those private industries that are out there, maybe your own company that you're working at, have been running in this mode of uh, like an extended operation. We're in a pandemic mode, we're in emergency mode for over a year, you know, or coming up onto that year. So it's very important how you have those continuity of operations plans in place because when that disaster or that incident strikes, you know, what are we going to be doing in order to keep our operations going? And so that's so important. And if you want more background on that, if you want more training on that, well, you're in luck because 21 Kletz has a class taught by me uh, called Continuity of Operations. So if you have your calendar, it's Monday, February 22nd. It's going to go from 8 to 5. You can find more information about signing up for that class at 21kletz.com. We'd love to have you there because we're going to talk all about how we can keep those operations going when an event happens. I also think that, you know, while we're talking about events and security, I, I think we need to think about sort of succession planning. And the idea is security is there 24-7. And, you know, it's so important to have a, an actual human being there to understand what it is that's going on. I think about uh, JSOX and I think about, you know, sort of the idea that there are multiple people around the globe who are up and running for companies to sort of get things ready to go and really to prevent a, a critical incident from occurring. Um, I'll share, you know, I, one of my friends works for Google and he knew about the events that were happening uh, in London at the uh, Ariana Grande concert as it was happening because Google had employees who were there and they're watching it. You know, I, I'm really curious, Robert, what are your thoughts on that? You know, sort of a joint operation and sort of thinking about all the security and sort of working all together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the, you know, we're, we're talking about the future of security. That's that's where it's at when it comes to the operation side is those global security operation centers or regional security operation centers for, um, you know, for this uh, smaller uh, organization. Um, it really does um, provide that um, uh, that uh, force multiplier and situational awareness multiplier that's out there, especially for um, uh, operations or, or might not um, that might be spread out across uh, a region, a multiple states, um, even even uh, uh, out there across the world um, that these GSOCs um, and JSOCs, they you know, having that that center that people can provide that information and that flow and there's individuals in there that are, uh, you know, intake and analyzing and providing the data and identifying where that data needs to go to in the, um, the quickest fashion and making sure that it's not just a pour of data, but that it's smart data that can be um, actionable intelligence. It's it, it goes back to uh, a lot of what emergency management does, and um, you know your military first responder operations. Um, it, it, we're all kind of taking a, a, a pages out of each other's books. Whether that be maybe emergency management is doing it best with pushing that information out to the public better. Maybe uh maybe first responders are better at incident management so they so we're we're all kind of borrowing and stealing and, and sharing 
the best procedures um, and, and a GSOC is a great place to see that actually put into place. And for our State of Ready listeners who are not familiar with those terms, Ooh. GSOC <laughs> is a Global Security Operations Center and JSOC is a Joint Security Operations Center. So uh, what it is is, is an, a facility that can operate 24-7 with uh, security professionals or analysts that are absorbing this information that's happening either through uh, open source such as social media or weather forecasting etc and kind of keeping an eye on whoever's operations that they have to and kind of feeding in if there's any disturbances that are coming in or any of their facilities might be having a threat directed against to it um, and so what's really cool is uh, these places these uh, global security operation centers or joint security operation centers do a real good job when it comes into the facility planning process, something that emergency managers do when they do their threat uh, hazard um, and risk assessments for particular areas. But at the same time, uh, these private industries who have security professionals have to do their own facility planning. And what are some of these facilities that they have to prepare for and stuff? Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that we just need a really quick highlight is if you have a major JSOC or GSOC in your area, go make friends with them, buy them a cup of coffee, talk to them, see what their resources are and see how they can help you as emergency managers. You know, what we need to be focusing on uh, for security and, you know, what everyone should be thinking about is facility planning and really thinking about concerns in the local community, uh, especially houses of worship. Uh, you look at uh, the polarization that is happening right now. We need to be thinking about all perspective on that. Uh, we also need to think about what high profile individuals or potential targets there are in your community and where they live, what could be impacted as emergency managers. That is everything from phone lines to water to power. Um, and then you have the ideological threats, uh, Planned Parenthood and political organizations. Um, and I think, you know, even drilling down a little bit further, thinking about humanitarian missions and what that looks like in your local area. Um, you know, Ed, I know something near and dear to your and my heart is also small business resiliency. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and I um, have a very soft spot in my heart towards small business owners um, and those who, who work so hard to be able to uh, get a business up and running and then a disaster strikes uh, ensuring that they are you know they adequately understand the hazards that exist the they have properly trained their employees um, they have taken uh, steps to mitigate any damage that might approach uh, their business and so building up that resiliency and helping them to understand you know the importance of uh, backing up information in the cloud uh, checking in with your employees if a disaster strikes one of the ones that we had here in september in oregon uh, were major wildfires that were occurring within uh, very close to the Portland metro area. And uh, checking in with some of my clients there, one of the big things that they noticed in their after action is, you know, not being able to get in touch with their employees who lived in that particular area or who had to uh, evacuate and where they went. So ensuring that you have a check-in process, but at the same time where you get that pull, where you check in with them, you want to have that push, that notification to your employees about what's going on with your operations. And security can absolutely assist with that. Uh, Robert had talked earlier about mass notification systems, and those might come under the responsibility of a security professional within an organization where if something is happening at the place of business, they push out that information with directions 
or if something's happening outside of that place of business, they're pushing out the information such as an evacuation zone from a particular area. Maybe some of their employees are working there. And if we want to kind of move it over to where we are right now in the pandemic, our security managers can work absolutely hand in hand with our public health professionals when it comes to COVID testing and uh, coming up soon, pretty much the COVID vaccinations that are going to exist. How security professionals can help in their companies to be able to develop these points of distribution and get their employees vaccinated. Um, so security management works hand in hand in their facilities with entities such as emergency management, law enforcement, and public health. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's uh, looking looking ahead um, with not only with the uh, pandemic, but just in in general for technology, you know, you look at um, some of the some of the technology that's coming out of um, that's being used for the pandemic, uh, say, like your temperature checks um, for access control when you're coming into a building uh, that came out of the security side of things um, and uh, um, multiple other technologies that are being used um, th- uh, to help mitigate some of the procedures for um, uh, for the pandemic, I, I know I've seen a few uh, technological uh, things, such as um, uh, there's some uh, virtual or augmented reality where an individual can stand, and there'll be like a circle around their person, and if they walk close to another person in that circle, their circle gets close to that other individual. There's an alert of if there's too many people grouped up together, <laughs> that there'll yeah. be an alert sent to say, maybe even the, the security operations center or one of the supervisors to just give a nudge or a reminder of, hey, uh, you guys need to not be so close to each other. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those mitigation measures to make sure that we're not spreading right now. So that technology has been around for other purposes, but we're now repurposing and tweaking and defining for for the pandemic um and there's there's so many te- uh, technological advances that are coming um uh, down the pipeline wow interesting i know probably the advent of drones and and that i'm sure is being adopted by security to especially for long range or for a large facility uh surveillance especially in our critical infrastructure we're talking like power transmission uh wastewater water gas lines, pipelines, et cetera, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Not only drone utilization, but also anti-drone uh, protection measures. Um, you know, you you can look to some of the information that's coming out of, say, the um, uh, CISA, the Critical Infrastructure Security Administration, um, or Cyber, sorry, uh, uh, Infrastructure Security Administration, that there's a lot of threats that are coming from your aerial drones. Um, so there's a lot of technology that are coming out of that access denial where um, uh, that will, as soon as a drone comes into that area, it'll it'll send a code, it gets pretty technical, but sends a code to send it mm-hmm. right back home to where it came from or just make sure that there's an access denial um, I know that a lot of your state, uh, you know, stadiums are using that. A lot of uh, a lot of your uh, uh, governmental places that uh, could be subject to, say, a 
um, placing a, a improvised device on a drone, um, they use that as well. But on the other side, um, drones are great. I, we've used them at the water district to look at a different view, um, to see um, uh, a different view for crime prevention, for hazard mitigation, for for uh, you know for landslides, um, what have you. It's wonderful technology when used properly. Awesome. Well, I mean, we certainly covered a lot of information in our uh, this episode here. Um, we thank you, Robert, for joining us because uh, uh, the adoption and the integration of security professionals and emergency management, you know, security is more than just a desk. Uh, it is more than just access control. Um, the security professionals have taken part in many high profile terrorist incidents and other disasters around the world. Um, and have saved lives and have saved the people under their responsibility. And so uh, that is very uh, uh, important to an organization is ensuring that your security professionals are trained uh, and have an understanding of um, what to do. And Bill, why don't you go ahead and tell us about or a recap, I guess, on the um, integration about uh, security and emergency management absolutely i mean i think that you know one of my so one of my past careers i was a security officer for uh, a local hotel in the area uh, i grew up in the profession i also became obviously a police officer and also emergency manager and i can tell you that you know when i look at this again i can't honor enough uh robert the fact that you're actually joining us and everything that you do because i know how important it is and I think that we covered a lot of important ground here talking about the relatability of security with emergency management. Um, so, you know, I, I think that some of the high points for me are think about what it looks like moving forward. Uh, definitely the story that I'm going to end up doing a little more research on about Rick Rosoria, I think it was. Is that correct, Robert? Oh, Rescorla. Yeah. Yep. And in looking that um, overall, and I just, again want to say thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for uh, for for letting me join up. This was a great conversation. Uh, I also want to, at this point, sort of take a little bit different of a turn. Uh, we ran a poll on Twitter, Ed. Uh, I'm happy to say that 456 people saw the posting. Uh, 73% of the people said yes. And so we are thinking about getting a mascot for State of Ruddy. And uh, we want to know, what should we do? What should we get? Send us some ideas. Uh, tell us via email or Twitter or LinkedIn or uh you know, any sort of form of social media, I think uh, Ed and I are going to give you our contact information. Uh, we ask that you tag it, uh, S-O-R mascot. Again, that's S-O-R mascot, M-A-S-C-O-T. Uh, let us know what you think our mascot should be. Uh, Robert, I'll throw it to you. You get first pick. What do you think is your first uh, your first idea of what kind of mascot we should get for our show? <laughs> I, uh, as soon as you, uh, you said mascot, I thought of beaver. Um, uh, you know, getting a, a beaver, getting a dam ready and preparing himself and his, his home. Um, that's that. That's just the first thing that popped into my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, good. I, I, I will see where this goes from there. Uh, and we'll let you know. Um, I also want to focus on our next episode. Uh, next episode, we're going to have a friend of mine uh, who's a retired battalion chief from Daly City Fire Department. Uh, he also lived in the area where the 2020 CZU fire happened in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Uh, retired battalion chief Brad Hartzell, and uh, he'll be joining us on the next show. 
Uh, more importantly, Ed, where can we find out how to get these shows and listen to more? Yeah, absolutely. So you are probably listening to it on one of our uh, providers here, either Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. You can also find us on Spotify. You can also find uh, recordings of our past interviews as well uh, coming up on our website, stateofready.com. We're going to be putting all of our past shows on there. It's not quite ready yet, but you can find us there rather soon. If you want to get in touch with me, and uh, chat further about State of Ready or maybe even have an idea about an episode or want to come on as a uh, guest, you can reach me at uh, readynorthwest.com. You can find me on Twitter at ready underscore Northwest or you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And for me, Bill Fogarty, you can reach me on Twitter at 21Kletz. You can also email me at 21Kletz at gmail.com or bill at 21quets.com and robert what about people want to get in touch with you yeah sure so um the best way to get a hold of me connect with me is uh linkedin um and that's just through my through my name um uh the last name is w-h-i-t-h-a-m um and uh i am um uh i also my email is r whittam w-h-i-t-h-a-m one at gmail.com Excellent. Well, thank you all to our State of Ready listeners. Uh, We are not a podcast without people listening, and we are very thankful that you have chosen to join us and uh, uh, be with us for this journey here. Um, So we look forward to talking with you uh, next episode. Uh, Remember, it's going to be retired Battalion Chief Brad Hartzell going to talk about uh, evacuation and as we come into fire season. So uh, we look forward to hearing that, and stay ready, everybody. Thank you.